That song is making me laugh. Do you know why? Uh, let me guess. <laughs> I don't think you, you were can. once driving through the farms in the Dakotas, <laughs> the Dakota Territory, and where I grew up. <laughs> a bird pooped on your head. No. <laughs> no, I can't say that's ever happened to me other than growing up in rural North Dakota. No, I got a very nice email uh, from a publication asking to feature me among rising women power in HR technology. Can you believe that? Huh. But you had to pay for inclusion to be recognized, you know, one of these pay to play yeah. <laughs> kind of editorial. And, and I responded a little bit like that song that I didn't believe that women shattering ceilings should have to pay for that recognition. So they oh, waved Tracy the got out. Tracy got that too, she said. <laughs> Did you too, Tracy? I, I, I gave them a speech. Guess what? I'm gonna be in the publication. <laughs> oh my God, Chuck wants me to close my blinds. So Jess, I'm going to close my blinds a little bit. But in the meantime, you can respond to all these people saying you you look beautiful. Oh, I didn't even, I you know, I don't read the chat when I'm talking. Oh, my goodness, you guys. This is the, well, thank you. <clears throat> this hair is a little out of control. This is the price I pay when I go to bed with wet hair. <laughs> I was too lazy to dry it or anything. It's been a week, you guys. Fuel, okay. every life. You, now, Jason, Chuck. look at you now. Yeah, I was going to say, Chuck, do I look beautiful now? <laughs> Since everyone said you look beautiful and no one said anything about me except Chuck said, close your blinds. Um, <laughs> maybe someone will say something nice about my hair. This is what I get when I go to bed with wet hair right here. <laughs> That's right. Stunning. Um, <laughs> stunning. Exactly. Well, happy Friday, everyone. Uh, Friday the 3rd. Friday the 3rd of January. No, February. <laughs> February already. And guess what? Hmm. Someone's birthday coming up. Mm -hmm. That. Any idea who? Well, I'm sure there's a lot of people who have a birthday coming up. Mine is in two days. Do I have any birthday buddies on February 5th? Anybody else share this birthday with me? I think I only have two birthday buddies I know about. <laughs> Chuck. Hi, Dorothy. We haven't seen you for a bit. George Washington. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I have any famous birthday buddies. I should look that up. Uh, yes, I'm going to be 45 on February 5th. Woo! Let's happen. <laughs> How did this happen? 45? I feel like oh, look, I'm Kristen's, 19. Kristen's grandpa's birthday was. I love it. Kristen and Sally's son is 30 this year. Amazing. See, I knew I would have birthday buddies. Jess? Yeah. 45. Yeah. Okay, just for everyone, we can do this. It's not the same as Mark Nagel singing at last year. <laughs> yes, 45. Happy birthday. Yes, thank you, thank you. I hope you have a great weekend. I'm sure it will okay. be. Like, 
daughters are in charge. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Chuck Moore, I think, knows every single song mm -hmm. that we play and like yeah. who it's by. Yeah. I think he's our music so, in here. Chuck, have you ever heard of the song Girls, Girls, Girls? It's the best. Yeah. Who's that by? Who's that Motley by? Crew. Motley Crue. Today, we're going to talk about jobs, jobs, jobs. Oh, I love it. That's going to be today. Jobs, jobs, jobs. Um, lots to talk about when it comes to jobs. Um, mm -hmm. But Jess, first, do you want to tell us anything about your week? Last week, when I asked about your week, you really didn't want to talk about your week. Um, right. Do you want to talk about your week this week? Or you want to go right to me? Uh, well, here's all I'm going to say. <clears throat> You know, when you're, I think for those of you who've been with us for some time, you know, I have three daughters. I'm all about raising girls. They are 13, 11, and 10. And when your kids are little, if you're a parent or a caregiver or you just love little people, um, you know that you worry about different things no matter what age your kids are. I am learning more than ever <laughs> what you worry about the threats, the dangers, the kind of trouble that can happen. My God, that shifts with their ages. Like, I don't worry about them falling and hurting themselves anymore. Like, all the, all the things that you used to do to protect your kids. Holy shit, has the world changed. <laughs> so, yes, my 13-year-old is getting lots of mama love and protection and guidance and hand-holding uh, and now I understand everything my mother ever said to me about raising me. How's that? <laughs> uh, very good. I mean, good, good insight. Anything How you want to say about you? work? Oh, anything about well, work. I well, you'll probably say it, but also... Uh, huge kudos and hats off to, I don't even know how many presenters, plus all of the muscle and firepower it took for us, us to execute fuel this week. Our third consecutive kickoff event for the industry. Many of you from the community um, participated in lots of sessions, hopefully, but it was two days of content. It was absolutely incredible. I just finished combing through my inbox, responding to people who requested this or that follow-up. Um, yes, Mark, thank you. I think we can all say, I mean, for us, it's always a challenge every year. I think we would do it even if nobody was in our audience. <laughs> That's probably not true. But, but for us, it's a great opportunity to level up and push the envelope on our own thinking and, and IP and thought leadership. Like, what's the progress? How can we advance thinking for what the world of work needs now, which may be a little different than what it was last year? Um, so it's always a good opportunity for us to do that. And then we pump it all out to the industry and teach and educate as much as we possibly can to help you level set and find some inspiration and get excited about the year ahead. Um, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it was a great week. Thanks to everyone that was involved in it, for everyone that attended. Um, guess what I was in this morning? Uh, what? Fuel 2024 planning meeting. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just when? January 31st. January 31st and February 1st. 2024. Amazing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. 2024. Um, so, yeah, so that was great this week. And then I had made a quick trip to Boston. I had a wonderful day yesterday with Work Human. Um, mm. I don't know if anyone knows 
the work human folks do a lot of work around recognition, a lot of work around the focus on humanity. They have a software platform as well. They have a great conference as well, which um, um, I'll be speaking at this year, April 17th to the 20th in sunny San Diego. Uh, so hopefully I'll get a chance to see some people there as well, right before Unleash, which we're going to talk about uh, as well here. But um, yeah, great, great event there. Um, they had their kickoff in, uh, by the way, I was at this this hotel which in Boston called the Encore, which I didn't Vegas? even believe. It was like they took Vegas and dropped it into Boston. Um, wow. Casinos, everything. The only difference is they won't let you bring your laptop into the casino. And that's where the Starbucks was, and I couldn't even do any work there. So, yes, technically really? in Everett, whatever that is, Mark, I learned a lot about uh, Everett. Um, it's quite interesting. It, it doesn't, it, it feels like Vegas, but it doesn't feel like Vegas, if that makes any, any sense. Um, so, but had a great, great time, did a great video shoot uh, for an event that's going to air on February 28th called the Work Human Spotlight, um, which was uh, really, really great. Had an uh, economist with us from NPR, um, had the former CHRO of GE on the panel. So it was a great, great panel yesterday. Um, loved that. And um, and then this weekend, um, I've shared with you my kid, my senior is uh, applying to schools or has applied to schools. Mm -hmm. um, the the acceptances keep rolling in, which is a good thing. And I have no idea how he's going to figure out where to go to school. So this weekend, wow. we're going to build a prioritization spreadsheet. A prioritization spreadsheet about mm -hmm. what's most important when looking at a school. Is it where it is, the weather, the party grade, which is interesting that you can grade, the schools are graded based on the party scene, wow. all of that. So uh, Mark, there are the leading candidate would depend on the day, I hate to say. So mm -hmm. I'd say that we're Big 10, Pac-12 at this point, then we'll just leave it at that. Interesting. Um, yeah, so busy, busy week, but really, really exciting week. And uh, thanks for everyone once again. And uh, we have, I see we have Alicia Salmon and Leah Tanner on as well as JC Griner. They did an amazing job, uh, Tegan Sullivan, at putting together fuel. So thank you guys um, for all of your support as well. Yeah. Um, let's start with the most important question. How are you? Green, yellow, red. And as we talk about colors, Jess, I have to ask about the blue nails and the green ring. Mm. Yeah, what's that? that? That look, there's a lot. Like, oh, it's not just blue. Like, what? There's a lot of color there. What is going on with all that? Well, I, I've worn these rings lots. They're not new. I go to the same person for my nails, just like the same person for my hair. And I know them, trust them. I never have a plan when I sit down. And I sat down and I said, Oh, I really like your color. Let's do your blue. It looks so pretty on you. And she said, okay, I'm going to do something else too. And she, so she just did this. I don't care. It's, it looks kind of cool though, right? I like it. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it's not that I didn't answer right away because I don't think it looks cool. I was reading all the green. I was like, I know the green. Everybody is green. Holy cow. Yeah. I've never seen so many greens. And there's a little bit of yellow, but mostly wow. green. Like if we were actually doing this, lots of greens. Um, Oh, I'm sorry, Jerry. Red, right when I said that. 
uh, Jerry? Oh, yes, there is that spy balloon. That is an interesting. Uh, oh, yeah, I still have to read about that. <clears throat> okay, um, we're going to start a separate meetup next week for, just to talk about how Jess looks. So <laughs> we'll invite anyone that wants to join that one, Kristen and others. You guys can join that one, uh, and then we'll uh, we'll keep this one. I'm just kidding. We'll keep this one for uh, ever everything else. But uh, yeah, uh, Jerry, if you need to talk, please let us know. Uh, once again, put your LinkedIn links <laughs> into the chat there. Oh, Megan wants to talk about how good you look, and everyone, all of y'all can just look at each other and say how good we're looking. But uh, yeah. yeah, everyone. I, you uh, know, when jump. my kids misbehave, we play the compliment game. When they fight among each other, we play that they have to pay each other compliments until I'm satisfied. <laughs> I think that's yeah. good for people. How can we yes. how can we help get Jerry to green? Mark asked that question. Keep, keep spending time. Jerry, if you want to come on with us, uh tell us. Um <laughs> Leia. Uh, but I also understand when you're red, sometimes you're like, mm, you guys can all just I'm just gonna sit here and chill. Uh, but tell us what you need and we'll do what we can. Jerry on LinkedIn, connect or send a message. Um, happy to talk if you uh, if you need to uh, if you need to talk. Um, so Jess, yeah, I'm really I love these shows because we don't have a guest, which I love. You know, I love that. I think you get a little nervous. I love it because I'm kind of like we actually get to just talk to people and talk about things going on in the world and things like that. So I want to start with the state of the economy and the state of the jobs situation. And, you know, if anyone wants to come on and talk about this live, please let us know. Happy to bring you on live. Um, you won't look as good as Jess, but <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can still come on. I'm just kidding. Um, but, uh, you know, if any, if any of you saw the jobs report this morning, the jobs report, the expected job creation number was about 180,000 jobs. Uh, the jobs created jo number was about 500 and some thousand jobs, which is basically 3x, mm. triple expectations. And the most jobs created, quote unquote, and the most jobs out there, <laughs> um, for a long, long time, pre-pandemic. And Chuck, your question is exactly what we're talking about. How can we have a huge record new hires? And I just keep reading about layoffs. Mm -hmm. and, and what's so important to understand about that, and for those of you that had an opportunity to take part in the rejig session I did with Siobhan this week, we talked about this talent I don't even know what to call it, melting pot or stew, yeah. uh, how everything's moving around, how everything's moving around. And, and what's really important to you guys is, uh, and I, I'd ask you guys to think about this, is jobs changing, uh, Maureen just put in here, workday claims that weren't economic related, more just about restructuring. It really doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, it, every job, it's all of it is about restructuring. Okay, it, when it's rest when this restructuring is going on, it's because of the economy going on. So that that comment, Maureen, I love the way you said it. But at the same time, it's all tied to the same thing. Salesforce is laying off and hiring at the same time. You're going to yeah. see that, Holly, over and over and over again. 
And why is that, Jess? Why are we I, laying people off and firing at the same time? Well, I have a few comments on this. In some cases, it's because the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. We don't know how One. to see talent accurately and correctly right. and in real time. I think there are Love other that. valid reasons related to skills. Uh, a little bit of skills visibility uh, maybe is a problem. I have something else to say about this, but I don't want to get us too off track. So that I got I mean, one of them. <laughs> yeah, one reason. I, what, 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 I mean, David, your point about layoffs for public companies drive up stock price, that, that's one thing. Yes. Howard, you said it probably as good as Jess did. Getting the right people in the right seats at the right time. And that means with the right skill. Yep. And I don't know how long I've been saying this about digitization and digitization of work. Those organizations that don't upskill their people and those people that don't focus on upskilling themselves to the world we live today are going to continue to find themselves out of work. Period. End of story. It doesn't matter whether you're a waste collector. It doesn't matter whether you work at a fast food restaurant. It doesn't matter whether you work at the airport. It doesn't matter where you work. The concept of continuing to upskill, reskill, relearn, and recreate your jobs is what's going to make or break. Okay, the whole the whole market, the whole economy. Um, you know, Chuck said if layoffs boost stock price, then one strategy would be to exaggerate on the number of layoffs in order to get the stock up. Chuck, that's one strategy, but at the same time, it doesn't feed through to results. I have to cut costs when I think about my revenue per employee. The only way to raise my revenue per employee, which is a lot of where stock prices are driven on, is by lowering the denominator. Okay, and that's what organizations are doing. Now, what are they doing on the other side? They're hiring more gig workers. They're hiring more contractors. But they're not hiring them into full-time jobs. They're hiring them to fill specific skill gaps. And a lot of those skill gaps, like I said, are the gaps that people that have been with companies for 20 years don't have. They're skills that people have developed over the last 18 months. Yes, I said that, 18 months. Like how to think about using artificial intelligence in a job that's a secretary. Excuse me? <laughs> how to think about how do I optimize the way I do things? I had a, I flew back with someone who's in charge of the digitization of waste management last night. So it's it's on my brain. And in order to be a waste collector, the amount of technology you need to know, and the amount of change you need to be open to today, it's one of their top three skills. Yet most people would never know that. That I can't believe you're saying this right now. I literally drove by a waste management truck with my kids in the car. And my oldest asked me, is that a good job? And I said, I'm sure most people don't realize how many certifications and how much technical skill you actually need to operate the kind of equipment. That, I can't believe you had that. <laughs> like, literally, we just had that conversation. 
um, because she's looking at it as a, you know, an hourly blue collar sort of job she was curious about. And I said, I'm, I think they actually, number one, get paid better than you think. And number two, it's probably a more technical job than you realize. It's very technical. It's a very, very technical job. Um, you know, the, Jerry, I want to read this. In the U.S. in 2022, it's also a big number of people who had lump sum pension payouts. So they resigned from their long tenured company and went to a new company. Uh, Bryce said, so we're hiring. Sorry, I lost it. So we're hiring a transient workforce, but measure based on long term employment mindset. Um, Sally, we're measuring every three months. Now, once again, Sally, one of the things that's really important about that is that, you know, and I know this doesn't affect jobs if you've been a part of a layoff, but companies are companies measure every three months. But how long a company lasts is not based on every three months. So we're looking at the resilience of companies, which is really important. Wow, I love these comments. I can't get to them all. Chuck, but who can you count on when you have a major issue? Which guru mm. is more loyal, gig worker or long term? Chuck, I, I I love you, Chuck. You know that. I've known I've known Chuck more longer than I've known almost anyone on this call, which is crazy. Uh, but Chuck, I'm going to tell you that I don't, I think that we put way too much weight today as an economy on that classification that you just made. Mm -hmm. I think I have to drive engagement, listening, retention, performance of every classification, loyal workers, gig workers, long-time workers, short-term workers. And if I don't do that, I, I can't be a company. That old school thinking has to change that only our full-time, long-tenured people are the people that I can count on most because I hate to say it, a lot of those people don't have the skill. And we as a country have not done a great job of upskilling on a standard type basis. So I'm going to flip this coin for just a second because we're talking a lot about tech and knowledge workers, because that's where a lot of the layoffs, or at least the layoff headlines, are coming from. So Jason, as you know, I'm in the middle of writing a press release. We're launching a healthcare advisory council. How do I know you're in the middle of writing a press release? I asked you for approval again. (laughs) (laughs) No, this is a real thing. There's some stats here. I'm late at getting something to you. Yes, I get that. No, it's not a big deal. But there's some incredible stats in here about healthcare. It's almost the exact opposite of tech. So just a couple of stats. By 2025, by 2025, which is not that far away, we'll see a shortage of 95,000 nursing assistants, 30,000 nurse practitioners, and 11,000 doctors and surgeons. Uh, now, this is a little bit different than tech and knowledge workers, because remember, healthcare certification, licensure, very specialized training, you need almost a 100% match of hard skills to job requirements. There's not as much flexibility and opportunity to expand the candidate pipeline and say that's transferable experience. People need to prepare <laughs> to come into healthcare, and they need to get certified and licensed for a lot of these roles. 200, all of that being said, also 200,000 nurses are set to retire in, in coming years. Then you add all of the well-being and burnout, everything these poor healthcare workers have been through in the last few years. 1.7 million healthcare workers 
uh, were ready to quit their jobs in the first half of 2022. So almost the opposite of what we're talking about. You don't see healthcare laying off, and healthcare out of need has gotten very good at tapping into not only the full time population that's available to them, but they're ready and able and willing to consider contract nursing and travel nursing, which is very expensive for them to fill gaps. Um, but they have a different set of problems, and it sort of that's the other thing I wanted to say earlier was sort of this melting pot is also about what has happened to different industry segments. Different job sectors have been completely wiped out, decimated, transformed. They blew up. They shrunk back down again. So this morphing of talent across job sectors and industries is super, super interesting. And that's why we can't stop talking about skills. It really, really yeah. needs to be addressed. Now, here's a question. I want to throw this out there just to frame what an amazing, 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 amazing opportunity we all have going forward. Okay. Say yes in the chat if you were in HR in 1969. Say yes in the chat. If you were in HR in 1969. Let's see if we get anybody. Crickets. Nobody? Crickets. Crickets. <laughs> so as of this morning, the unemployment rate is the lowest it's been hmm. since May of 1969. Wow. May of 1969. I didn't even go into that, Maureen, how many were born then. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Howard throws in both Judic. Um, we were not gonna even know, not even knows who that is. Anyway, you guys, what does that mean? That this whole concept of talent is it the impasse that it's never been in our careers. There's no one on this call of 2,800 people that have ever been at this impasse, this moment in time when talent is so constricted, when skills are changing so rapidly and companies globally are trying to figure it out. Like, how could one want a better profession than what we have? Hmm. Seriously. Like, sure. sorry to be so excited, but like, if you look at that and you're like, wow, we're really in a place where we can actually help people understand that, it's, hmm. it's fascinating to me. And there aren't, there. I mean, all these are that we're talking about here are possible solutions. There's not anyone that has the right answer to this. There are so many levers that have been pushed, pulled, changed. You know, we had this whole concept conversation yesterday with this economist about remote work. And that that's driving a lot of this. You could take that one thing and times it by 20. And all of those things together are what caused today the lowest unemployment rate in 53 years. So 
all that hype I was just doing mm-hmm. about how lucky we are to be in this profession. Now the question becomes, what do we do? And for those of you that didn't get a chance to listen to Siobhan and I's session about zero wasted potential, like we are at that mode where we have to have zero wasted potential. Why? Because that's how constricted the job market is, Mm -hmm. the talent pool is, the skills pool is. And you can't just look at it within the US because your competition's looking at it globally. You have to think about this as a global talent need and how do you respond? Now, Jess, one of the things that you mentioned, bye Steve, one of the things that you mentioned is, you know, one hand doesn't know what the other hand's doing. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to take this headline, this headline that I'm about to show you. Can everyone see that headline? If this headline doesn't say blow up talent management in an organization, nothing does. If there's never, if there's not a time to do this, like now, there never has been, where it can't be talent acquisition doing one thing, talent development doing something else, business doing something else. These north-south silos don't work when you have such limited capacity. And Jess, I completely agree with you. One hand doesn't know what the other hand versus the other hand versus the brain versus the foot versus the finger in an organization when it comes to talent, the most quote unquote important asset. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I rambled. No, I think it's <clears throat> it would be one thing to flex talent with intelligence and care, by the way. <laughs> but if you need to ebb and flow, I like I think there's nothing wrong with us moving to a more flexible talent economy where people can work on their own terms, can work on contract, you know, contracted or gig worker. You know, we can change the nature of the employment relationship to make um, to make all of this more nimble, to make it okay to pop in and out of organizations on an as needed basis. You know, we have to solve healthcare and insurance and stuff like that. But I think that's totally fine if we actually approached it with that kind of intelligence and strategy and planning, but we don't. We make rash decisions which aren't backed by good data or insights. We don't know enough about our people in all cases to know who should be let go or could be let go based on the future plans of the business or who could be redeployed. And so we find ourselves hiring and rehiring or hire, you know, letting go the wrong people. Some of you have made comments about how can a how can an organization be announcing layoffs and they still have massive needs and open requisitions posted on their site. If those are legitimate, that's the perfect example. They don't know what they don't know. And think about the wastefulness that goes into that. Yeah, and I really think that every HR organization is is going to have to, and it's an overused term, but transform reimagine, evolve itself, you know, going forward. Otherwise they are going to lose this talent. This talent thing, I mean, you guys, this talent thing is a crisis. 
I, I can't say it enough. And I've, I've been saying it a while. It doesn't necessarily always seem like it when you're laid off or based on, you know, things like that. But the talent thing is a massive crisis because there are not people falling out of the sky that are 20 years old. There's just, there's not enough. So unless we look at it on a global basis, unless we start looking at it, optimizing people tied to skills until we get rid of what was that video you played just the other day the undo un i forgot what it was uh, but that video deal, right yeah and, until we get rid of some of these models like hey i have to have one job wreck for this one person and guess what i'm only going to leverage 30 percent of their skills but guess what it's not going to work Holly just said, make gig contract a viable, valuable choice versus a concession. It, you have to. Because if I'm starving, I'll have a quarter of a donut. I don't need a full donut. A quarter of a donut's fine. Terrible analogy. But you know what I mean? Yep. I have to think about it that way. Fractional. It's so, so important. Uh, watch that video when you get a chance. Uh, the Jess just put into the link there. Um, so, Jess, when you think about this whole area of skills, you know, Siobhan from Rejig, who's getting a ton of call out on here just because I we had such a great conversation. I hope you guys get a chance yeah. to watch that recording. Maybe we'll be able to put it there. Um, you know, we talked about the organizations not even knowing the skills that people have and not knowing the skills that they need to even do matching like that. And I'm just curious, you know, I know you were in that conversation as well. Like, do you agree with that? Um, like I, I've been, I mean, for as long as I've been in HR technology, I've been talking about talent profiles, employee mm -hmm. profiles and talent profiles and how they're the foundation of what's gonna allow us to do workforce planning successfully. Still, LinkedIn knows more about our people than we do. Yeah. So when you think about that, I mean, let's talk, get into the action here. Like, what should people do like right now, right now to start to solve this crisis? This is my favorite cheesy statement, you can't connect the dots until you collect the dots. <laughs> so the first thing is honestly to get a handle, have some, it doesn't even have to be fancy, but there's tons of tech out there to help you do this. You have to start taking inventory. And it's not just a moment in time. We're not static human beings with a stagnant skill set that never changes or evolves or wants to. There might be skills I have today that are very current and relevant, some stronger than others. I might have done something in the past, but I wouldn't consider it a power skill today. But I probably certainly have an idea of skills I'd be interested in developing based on the idea I have for my career path. So it has to be very organic and very dynamic. It has to be current state. It has to be futuristic. But you have to start the conversation. I loved... Uh, Bryce's comment, uh, never go, we never go back to a person to see what else they could do. So start to take some kind of inventory about what people can and want to do 
and what they what they want to grow into, where they would be willing to upskill or reskill themselves. The other part of this, I know this isn't easy to do. This is all easier said than done because then you also have to fold in automation. A lot of things can and should be automated that should not be, we shouldn't continue to skill humans to do things that are meant to be digitized and automated. So you have to have a little bit of that landscape sorted out as well. So you're skilling people for the future jobs they should continue to be doing and that you'll need them to continue to do. I would say that's a pretty good starting point. Yeah, which by the way, means most HR business partners, let me just get kind of blunt. Mm -hmm. Most HR business partners and most recruiters, jobs should change. Yes because most HR business partners and most recruiters are still doing things that they've been doing for 20 some years when there is automation to help with it. We talk a lot about hands, heads, and hearts. We need people doing hearts work. We need machines doing hands work. And if you don't take that model, this will never work. You know, and it, you know, we watch it over and over again. People put in new technology, and yet business partners and recruiters still do the same thing. And I'm just picking on those two roles. It's not just those two roles. I'm just picking on those two roles at the moment, but over and over and over again. I was on the phone with a major retailer earlier this morning who said, our business partners won't have people do things themselves. They always think, they always think the only way that things will get done is if they do it themselves. I'm like, guys, like you're, you're all you're doing is adding to the problem. You're adding to the problem. And if we don't evolve, Mark, these roles and we don't decompose mm -hmm. jobs into tasks and skills and understand what needs to stay and what needs to go, this problem's just going to get worse. Yeah, there's a couple of comments in here about talent acquisition. So the first time you usually learn about a person is when you, as an organization, made an effort to attract them. They fit a profile, a persona, a candidate, an ideal candidate profile that you literally tried to attract and you were successful enough to get them into a recruitment marketing funnel, into an, you know, a hiring and all, if you hired them, awesome. But even if you didn't hire, the fact that you had a specific skill set and persona in mind when you, when you went out to attract and then you got some kind of match, you probably have the best view of that person at that point, then, then you will if you don't throw the data away. The problem is when we bring people inside the organization, or when we don't hire them, but they're possible fit somewhere else. Like we don't create talent communities we continue to tap into, or we continue to sort of flesh out and communicate with to figure out if there's something else we can do with people who've taken the time to respond and engage with our brand. Like as a former recruiter, oh my God, so incredibly wasteful. I think, you know, one of my former customers was Microsoft. I handled their global recruitment marketing strategy for every single business unit around the globe for Microsoft. We built them a talent community in the millions, in the millions. Yet they still spent, I won't even tell you how much money on job advertisements and LinkedIn recruiter licenses. 
I said, when is the madness going to stop? When are you going to shift some of that strategy and budget and resources to nurturing what you've built and what you have, which is highly convertible, instead of going out for every single rack and advertising it as if nobody knows who Microsoft is and you have to advertise every single rec from scratch. And then somebody commented on the one-to-one hiring ratio and then you hire one person for one rec and you throw away all the overflow. The waste in that function is absolutely insane. So all this skill stuff has to start with transformation to talent, to to the way we view and treat talent. It, It absolutely has to start there. Yeah, and John Armstrong combined with David Pollard. Like that, what you guys just said, like my, I, I literally, there's this coffee and then there's this Mountain Dew. <laughs> so it, it may be a, way too much caffeine. But yes. you guys, like, first of all, talent acquisition people will always get laid off first when there's no hiring if that's what you position them as. Right. So, David, your point about recruiters must become talent management consultants or talent advisors and realize that they understand the whole concept of talent and they're not just bringing in FTEs and they're not just bringing people in the door, but they're keeping people, they're growing people, they're reskilling people, they're upskilling people, all that stuff. Then they're not going to get laid off. And we're not going to have whatever that thing just said was connect the dots, whatever you said. <laughs> collect, yeah. them, collect them. Collect it. Yeah, we're, we're going to have a holistic view of what our skills are. So I, I love the fact that you guys both said that at the same time, yeah. but you're solving each other's problem, you know? And it, that's, I mean, the number one reason that TA gets laid off is because all they're doing is recruiting. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't know. I mean, I have to figure out. I like now. I'm like pumped, fired up. Like that that unemployment number that has to be the rallying cry to make this change more than anything else. Because if not, it uh, we're just going to keep. Uh, sorry, I'm just reading. Yes, Bob, I completely agree. Those recruiters didn't have internal recruiting mobility in their purview. Right. which is why you have to stop calling them just focusing on bringing people in from the outside. Yes. 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 Uh, this is like one of my soapboxes. Talent waste is the opposite of what you talked about with Siobhan. Zero wasted potential. The opposite of that is what happens today in talent acquisition. In most talent, but I will say we're getting much, much better at creating talent mobility solutions. I've seen a lot of innovation in this space. It's a hot topic because it should be. So everybody with opportunity marketplaces and talent mobility solutions, it's not a tech, by the way. It's supported sometimes by a tech. It's a mindset that you embrace in your organization that we have to know and understand our talent deeply in order to optimize and redeploy them effectively. That way, when we make talent decisions, whether it's to acquire from the outside, redeploy from within, shave a department over here when it's absolutely necessary, at least it's done with some intelligence, which is not uh, usually the case today, not always the case today. Mark, the rallying cry it's going to take is where we're at right now. COVID was temporary. 
sorry for those people dealing with long COVID or don't don't text me about what I just said. I realize that might not be politically correct. This this skills thing is not temporary. Okay, like the skills thing, this has been building for a long, long time, well before COVID. You know, so what we're seeing right now, what we're seeing right now with the lowest, I'll say it again, the lowest unemployment rate in 53 years. Okay, this isn't going to be next week or next month. It's like, oh, now it's the highest unemployment rate in 53 years. This is going to keep going. Okay, even as we raise interest rates. Because what's going to happen as we raise interest rates, there are still more people leaving the workforce than entering the workforce. So this issue doesn't change, which means if it's not the number one issue on every HR organization's mind, how do we understand our talent? How do we break down job? How do we set up new job architecture? How do we transform the HR function? All of that stuff. If that's not on the number one thing on people's minds right now, like we survived COVID, thank God. But now this is now it's our time to do this, which is really, really exciting. Oh my God, Mark wants to come on. Come on, let's go. Which I'm so excited. (laughs) I love that his fingers can't even keep up. I get like that too. Thank you so much for jumping in. And he's (laughs) the one that said I've been preaching, so I should just uh, mellow out. But like for me, I'm like, if we don't take advantage of these moments when things are like on fire, like we miss our opportunity. And that's why for me, it's like, jump in, like yeah. do it now. Hey, Mark. Mark's raring hey. to go. And how you doing? Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yes. Awesome. Hey, thanks. Thanks for this. Cause I'm like, I'm mm, fired up. I'm like, yeah, you're like me. You need some more caffeine. Right. Then, oh, God, no, God, <laughs> no. My family couldn't handle it. No. So, you know, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly and emphatically, but like, for example, um, so I used to, in a previous life, I was editorial director for a magazine that was in the manufacturing space, right? And like, I wrote a cover story 15 years ago on the skills gap that was that was growing in that industry. And part of it was, you know, manufacturing, a lot of stuff went offshore and then it like the industry really needed uh, some PR because everyone thought that manufacturing was like greasy gears and conveyor belts, but it's a freaking playground for tech. Right. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's been decades now and we've been talking about a skills gap and like Jess, I've done a lot of work in the HR space through like my, my work brain days with, with HT mm-hmm. and we were talking about it then. So like, how can we, uh, the Royal, we, as employers, as managers, and as HR people, like catalyze that change? Because I feel like there's been nothing but evidentiary data showing that this is the way externally. Um, but like, how do we do it? And I, like, there are some great new technologies that are emerging, like the, the whole concept of learning academies, where you've got online learning, but then you have a coach and you have a mentor that kind of helps you get this snackable skills that you need to elevate. And I think that's part of it. But now how do we drive that? That That's 
Sorry, that, that's why I wanted to come on. I wanted to ask that extremely wordy question instead of typing it. And no, I think it's I a really good, appreciate it. I mean, I think part of the problem is that we all, every organization acts like they're a snowflake and they've got their own skills taxonomy and their own language and their own job catalog and their own, like we have to probably agree to some standardization here. I'm not a skills expert. That's, I can go so far, but I can't go to like the nth degree of, of geekdom. Um, but I, I feel like we've got to agree to some common Lang there's probably more common language and standardization than than we're giving credit for. I mean, a business analyst is a business analyst, right? Uh, and then there's some nuance by you know industry or or you know kind of company and that kind of thing. But uh, but I think we have to agree that this is an effort to be made across the world of work, not at. And then of course you've got to decide what that means for you organizationally. You've got to decide where to start and how to take the next step and and how to work through this in phases. You can't blow everything up because right. then you're going to have some serious staffing issues and you're not you're going to have a problem operating from day to day. So you've got to wait, find a way to do this work while you're flying the plane. Um, I don't know, Jason, your thoughts? No, I just think I mean I just think that every single day you have to make a step towards changing the way we look at talent as an organization every single day. And whether it's changing the way that the role, as Sarah just put in the chat, the TA and the HR business partners, whether it's breaking down jobs into skills, whether it's thinking about how do I leverage contractors more and not open an FTE every day. I think every day we just have to keep pushing that envelope. Like this is called the now of work, mm -hmm. digital meetup. This is the new now. Like that thing I showed you was not from 2000. Yeah. That thing I showed you is from 831 this morning. You know, that's the now. And I know there's people in this chat that have been laid off recently. Mm -hmm. um, so my statements around unemployment have no direct correlation to the fact that there's been layoffs happening. Because all those people that have been laid off, if they want to work, are going to find jobs. It may not be in the same classification that they were in. I would call the company that let them go stupid because more than likely they have skills that that company didn't leverage. Yep. Amen. I, mean, I could go on and on about this, but, and the thing I have to make sure is that it, people don't take it as a direct correlation between you've been laid off and this unemployment rate at its all time low, because mm -hmm. those two things, one is a macro thing and one is a micro thing. Very okay? true. Macro. Yeah. I have to think different. Micro, we have we have to realize and be confident enough in ourselves that some company just lost the best freaking skill set because they didn't know you. And the institutional knowledge, right? Yeah. And that was the other big thing in the manufacturing space is that, you know, that person that's been using this machine for 25 years and, you know, everyone in the boardrooms high-fiving each other because they got X number of people to take the golden package and like, you know, bounce early have no idea, no idea how much knowledge just walked out the door. And unless you're taking like that kind of master craftsman apprentice relationship and imparting that knowledge onto the new folks that are coming in, like that's gone. That's not but you know, coming you back. Know what, Mark, I, I completely agree with you. But at the same time, I'm going to say, I don't think HR is sitting there standing in the room saying, guys, wait. HR is helping do what you said. It's helping the quota of getting rid of people instead of helping people understand what people they should be keeping and which people they should be getting rid of. 
Yeah. And that like, that's the thing, right? They, oh God, I love this. This is sorry. I'm animated. Like, that's the thing. Like, how do we catalyze that? And like spirit of full disclosure, like I've been a tech marketing guy, like Jess, I came from the, the marketing side of the world, but the lion's share of my experience has been in the, the HR technology space. So I'm not an HR um, by vocation, but I, I spend so much time and I'm so passionate about the field that like that, that's the, the call to action, I think, right. Is like, how do, how do we insert ourselves into those discussions with that mindset? And like, this is 2,800 people on right now, right? This is like the right audience to help rally that call to action. And I know that the, you folks have been doing that. And it's one of the reasons I love being part of this community, but like, this is our moment thousand percent agree, but like now, how do we take that moment into action? and start driving that change from the inside. Because like, I've never thought of that approach, Jason, but it's so brilliant, right? Like we we collectively should be in the room saying, okay, how do we, how do we impart these skills? How do we get ahead of it? How do we start building that skills community internally? And then like, okay. think about what the shift towards skills-based means for other things, right? Like there was, a, I don't know if you, you folks saw the Today Show, piece they just did on the paper ceiling um and it was about essentially when you get rid of degrees the need for degrees from job descriptions how much that just opens up your world so you're having a hard time you know hiring people maybe the people you need to have don't need to to drive themselves into 100k of debt to get a degree to pick up those skill sets right and i forget the consulting firm but there was a, a person who helmed a team the consulting firm and she took everyone on her team and fed their resumes through like an ats system and none of the people that were doing the job today would have qualified to get in the door for the first interview what is like, interesting i have no doubt it's broken yeah. <laughs> right? part of my language but... and by the way i mean this is another thing you guys because i was with a consulting firm. i was listening to a, i was listening to a consulting firm present yesterday at this event i was at if you're working with a consulting firm who's telling you to do the same thing you're doing today, fire them. Mm. Right. And if you, I mean, I'll say that to our, like we're a consulting firm. If we tell you to do the same thing you're doing today, fire us. Cause that it, it, you cannot take five-year-old solutions to the problems of today. So you true. can't like, and we keep doing it a little less 10 year or 15 year old solutions. Yeah, like we keep doing it and then we keep hitting our heads against the wall wondering why things aren't working or getting better and i just hope that um we kind of use like these moments these seminal moments as times to think outside the box as a as a function absolutely i love it hey i'm i'm looking at the top that i absolutely didn't mean to monopolize it no thank to come you on, but... amazing thanks for being no, on Mark. Thank, thank you guys. Love you guys. Take care. Love yeah. you. Whoa, I was even messed up my hair with all that. <laughs> See, jobs, 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 skills, skills, skills. We have oh, so much opportunity. And that's why, like I said, I'm so excited. You know, and I mean, Jerry, I always quote what you what year is inside your organization. I mean, once again, what year is it inside your organization? But once again, think about what year is it outside your organization? Okay. Remember that, because what year it is inside your organization, the the problem against that is what year it is outside your organization and how mismatched all that is.
If those two were the same, if everything outside stopped changing, then we all could not change inside. But when everything changes outside so rapidly and we keep doing the same stuff, it's the definition of insanity and I'd say stupidity. Sarah, your comment is so spot on. Everybody's asking, how can we, you know, how can we make better talent decisions? Yes, that what Sarah wrote is the ideal state. We're not all there. Some organizations are closer to that than others, but that is the ideal state. When org changes, whether it's a layoff or any kind of organizational change, restructuring or growth or a new line of business or an acquisition, uh, there's always going to be organizational changes that are needed and how you go about evaluating how and where talent needs to move accordingly should be very much data-driven and it should be future-looking. We're talking about just trying to make good decisions in the moment. What if you were also looking forward to how the talent, how, how talent needs to grow with the organization in the next 10, 12, you know, uh, number of months. That's it. That's the ideal state. We've got a, a ways to go, but that's spot on. So this is going to be such an exciting year for this community, you guys, as we continue to bring more talent people into this community and to influence their thinking and getting them to think different about how this transformation looks. Um, as I said, every time stuff like this happens, which I think this is just when I woke up and saw this this morning, I was like, oh, my God, this is another moment that I'm going to mark in time. And when Jess said, what are we going to talk about today? I already knew what we were going to talk about today. <laughs> um, you know, February 3rd, I, I'm, I'm serious, you guys. Like when you see something that hasn't been this way since 1969, that's a really big deal. And it's kind of our rallying cry to fight. So uh, I'm really excited, as you can tell. Um, yeah. Jess, happy birthday. I hope you have a great birthday weekend. Thank you.